Well, here we are just nicely into a new year, and it's my privilege to bring greetings to the people of Interkept Presbyterian Church. You're the congregation I like to brag about. And one of the disappointments of the last year for me has been my inability to be with you in person. So I'm delighted that this morning I get to kick off this new season with a message to you by virtual means. I look forward to the possibility that we can connect in person in 2021. This morning we're going to talk about what it's like to live in a time when it feels like it's desert living. And before we begin, I just want to take a moment and pray and ask God to open our hearts to that learning. Father, you love to meet us in times of our lives that are joyful and times that are hard. So we pray as we look into your word this morning, you would keep our hearts open to learning what it is. You would want us to experience in those times, to know in those times, and ways in which we can grow in those times. And we ask all of that for the sake of Jesus Christ. So for the past almost two years, I've had the privilege of leading the service planning team at Lakeshore St. Andrews Church. In many ways, it's been a delight because of the people who are part of that team, who bring their creativity and imagination and excitement to the table in preparing services for us here. A few months ago, in preparation for the meeting, I had a question form in my mind that I wanted to ask the members of that team. The question was this. Can you identify a good thing that has come out of the COVID time for you personally? My motivation rested in the fact that I was feeling a sense of loss, and I didn't want to emerge from this time bitter and resentful. The first two people who weighed in on the question said essentially the same thing. They said that they were enjoying extended amounts of time with their family, times that they'd never had anything like before. I felt a bit of resentment over that because I was feeling the loss of personal time with my family both in Columbia as well as in Ohio. I realized I'd developed a a sense of what I couldn't describe in any other way other than desert thinking, what it was like living in a rather barren and desolate time and place. So I turned to my expert witness on desert living, and that's a guy by the name of Spike. In 1975, in August of 1975, Charles Schultz, the creator of the Peanuts cartoon strip, introduced us to Snoopy's brother, Spike is a guy who lives in the desert outside Needles, California. And this will give you a glimpse of the exciting life he lives. You see the strip, it says, living in the desert isn't all that bad. There's beautiful scenery and good conversation. High rock. But on a more serious note, part of my contemplation had me thinking more intensely about the experience of the Israelites as they journeyed from slavery in Egypt to what would be a promised land that God had set before them. And so in those times, I began to think, the bottom line for me is this. I want this to be a productive time in my life. I don't want it to be a wasted one. So I 
for our purposes this morning in setting this up, I want to give you two focal points. And the first one is this. It's core thought. And I've taken this from Jeff Mannion in his wonderful book called The Land Between. This is what Jeff says there, and I quote, Often God chooses to meet us with his blessing in a place where we, where we do not choose to be. Often God chooses to meet us with his blessing in a place we cho- do not choose to be. But there's a caveat that goes along with that. And the caveat is this. Desert times in our lives do not guarantee growth. Bitterness, resentment, and even a lack of trust can grow up in those times. Because the reality is when we find ourselves in desert times, there's a deep set of core longings that emerge, and the critical decision in that moment centers on whether or not this will be a moment of bitterness and resentment or whether it can be a time of learning and growth. In light of that, I want to take you into a portion of the Scripture that talks about the people of Israel as they were experiencing their desert time. There's any number of places we can go in the Bible to enter into this experience. But this morning, what I want to center in on is Numbers chapter 11, verses 4 through 20. As I do that, I need your help, because I want you to, as we read through this, I want you to see if you can identify the core longings that are emerging for this people. So here's the scripture. Then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. And the people of Israel also began to complain. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We remember that the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt And we had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic we wanted. But now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. The manna looked like small coriander seeds, and it was pale yellow like like gum rosin. The people go out and gather it from the ground. They made flour by grinding it with hand mills or pounding it in mortars. Then they boiled it in a pot and made it into flat cakes. These cakes tasted like pastries and baked with olive oil. The manna came down on the camp with the dew during the night. Moses heard all the families standing at the doorways of their tents whining, and the Lord became extremely angry. Moses was also very aggravated. And Moses said to the Lord, Why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? Have mercy on me. What did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? Did I give birth to them? Did I bring them into the world? Why did you tell me to carry them in my arms like a mother carries a nursing baby? How can I carry them to the land you swore to give their ancestors? Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? They keep whining to me, saying... Give us meat to eat. I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is far too heavy. If this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. Do me a favor and spare me this misery. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, Gather before me 70 people who are recognized as elders and leaders of Israel. Bring them to the tabernacle to stand there with you. I will come down and talk to you there. I'll take some of the spirit that is upon you, and I'll put the spirit upon them also. They will bear the burden of the people along with you, so you will not have to carry it alone. And say to the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow you'll have meat to eat. You were whining, and the Lord heard when you cried. Oh, for some meat. We were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat, and you will have to eat it. And it won't be for just a day or two or for five or ten or even twenty. You will eat it for a whole month until you gag and are sick of it. For you have rejected the Lord who is here among you. And you have whined to him saying, Why did we ever leave Egypt? So as I read that, I wonder if you were able to identify the longings. Here's a couple that I picked up. And as I share these with you, I want you to see that we can identify that there's a positive way that God would have us deal with those longings. There's something he wants us to learn in order to live productively and grow. And the first longing is this, a longing to go back. When God is saying, I want you to face forward. When I asked the question of the service planning team that I referenced a while back, I came to realize that I'd come to focus on what I was missing, and I'd lost my ability to celebrate the good things that were happening for others. My primary focus, uh, I'm sure it is for many of us in those hard times, my primary focus was centered on when can we get back to normal. That's why the opening line of the scripture we read today is so critical in all of this. It references how the Israelites began to crave the thing, good things of Egypt. It seems that the memories of the hard, arduous life they had experienced in slavery had been erased. In place of that, they recall fish they used to eat for free, as well as melons, cucumbers, leeks, onions, and garlic. I tuned in recently to an interview with Jan Arden, a Canadian singer-songwriter. She spoke of a time when her parents were going through a very difficult time and she was walking the journey with them. Her father had vascular dementia, vascular dementia and her mother was suffering from Alzheimer's. She used a very familiar phrase to express what it was like. She said those were the best of times, but they were also the worst of times. And she never for a moment expressed the desire to go back, either now or in the time when she was experiencing that. She simply wanted to look forward with hope and living in a productive way. I don't know what it's been like for you, the people of Interkip, but for the people of Lakeshore St. Andrews, this has been a very interesting time. We've experienced some desert times, but as I think back about it, what congregations have had the privilege of having people speak to them? People like Carrie Newhoff and Jamie Holtham, our friend from Bramalee. From Bramale. Or even our own people, 
have stepped to the plate. People like Susan Smith, Melissa Finney, and Carolyn Hart. And how many congregations had the technical expertise and equipment to move and transition readily to online services? Now, I think about this. We as a congregation were very blessed because it was very difficult for congregations who were without a lead minister in uncertain times to find someone who was willing to make a transition. And what did Lakeshore St. Andrews get? Nine gifts all wrapped up in one family. And when I think about that, it's just a great reminder, don't look back. But with eager anticipation, look to forward to what God has for us next. And to you, the people of Interkip, I say, I don't know what your experience has been like this year, but don't look back. Identify those things that God has done in this time that have amazed you, and look forward with eager anticipation to what he has in store. Well, the second longing that emerges for me in this passage is this. It's a longing to complain when God wants it to be a lesson in trust. Can we learn to trust in those desert times? I love what emerges in verse 10 of our scripture today. Moses heard all the families standing in the doorways of their tents whining. And Moses was very aggravated. But it didn't end there, for he turns to the Lord with a whole series of questions. I love these questions. Why are you treating me harshly? What did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? Did I give birth to them? Did I bring them into the world? And those are only the opening questions. There's a whole bunch more that he has. In August and September of this year, I faced a medical challenge. I found no shortage of things to complain about. Long wait times in the ER, my wife Jan having to sleep in the car overnight because I had not yet been admitted to the hospital. I, there were many things that I found to complain about. Yet as I look back at that and process it from the other side, I'm overwhelmed not only by my tendency to complain but the provision God had for me. For in just a, a bracket of time, a short bracket of time, God was able to give me the gift of healing surgery. When we're in a desert place, a longing that's sure to emerge is a longing to complain. But God says, I want this to be a time of trust. Sounds in no way dissimilar to what the Israelites experienced in our scripture today. They complain about manna even though it reportedly tasted like pastries baked with olive oil, and they began to demand meat. God responds with a touch of humor. I hope you didn't miss this. You won't just have meat for a day or two or five or ten or twenty. You will eat it for a whole month until you gag and are sick of it. See, without question, in our desert times, a longing to complain will inevitably emerge. But it will also be a time when God says, 
I'm challenging you to trust me deeply. And finally, this thought. In our desert times, there's always a longing for relief. When in fact, God says, I'm wanting to learn you, I'm wanting you to learn to trust me to meet you there in that hard place. The beginning of the message, I uh, introduced you to a guy by the name of Jeff Mannion. He's pastor of Ada Bible Church in Michigan. When Jeff was 12 years of age, his grandfather died in Michigan, and his parents took the two-month-old child with them and left behind Jeff and his three siblings in Idaho. Somewhere during that journey, there was a car accident, and the, Jeff's father and young brother survived, but his mother died. It happened between the American Thanksgiving and Christmas. And Jeff not only grieved the loss of his mother, but grieved the thought of what Christmas was going to be like this year. As Christmas drew near, a large package uh, arrived from a church in the Midwest. And there was a note for his dad that says, don't worry about Christmas gifts for the kids this year. We'd like to take care of that. A couple of weeks later, a large package arrived with other gifts from another church in the Midwest, also saying the same thing. And to their surprise, a couple of days later, a third package showed up. And Jeff, as he reflects back on that, says, I kept hoping that these churches wouldn't learn what each other was doing. And even after Christmas, a few days after Christmas, a fourth package arrived. It had a note apologizing for the fact that it was late. Jeff has some thoughts about that. Looking back many years later, he makes this observation. I quote from him, We were not suddenly well. And my own turmoil had not dissipated. Things were still pretty much a mess. But in the mess, God reminded our grieving family that we were not alone. But in the mess, God reminded our grieving family that we were not alone. So here's what I can guarantee you. Both you me individually as well as us corporately. We will never have a desert time without a longing to be relieved from what we're experiencing. And then those moments we can identify with Moses as he cries out to God, when he says, if this is how you intend to treat me, go ahead and just kill me. Do me a favor and spare me this misery. But I can equally guarantee you that this is a moment when God will will whisper in your ear, Let me show up. Let me show up. I'm certain there's no shortage of other longings which emerge when we're in a desert, desert place. However, for this morning, I've chosen to focus on these three. In anticipation of a new year, I want to urge us to build these three for sure into our lives. So when we're longing to go back, This is our prayer. God, keep me facing forward in anticipation of a new year. Keep me facing forward 
in anticipating what you have in store for me. And when we're longing to complain, may this be our prayer. God, help me to trust you deeply. And when we're longing for relief, our heart cry will be, God, I eagerly await you showing up in ways that I could never have imagined. So to you, the people of Intercap Presbyterian Church, what a delight to share with you today. But what a delight to know your hearts that long to pursue God hard. And when you find yourself in a desert place, may those longings which emerge be turned into deep learnings from his hand. And that will be my prayer for you. So let's pray. Father, thank you for a wonderful people that you've gathered in a community in Ontario to be a light to the community around them. And when they corporately as a congregation or individually experience those desert times, may they learn how reliable you are as showing up. And may they find great joy and may they live in eager anticipation of what you have in store for them this year. Amen. God's best to you. Look forward to seeing you.